Hey, what's up everyone? How's everybody doing? Everyone doing pretty good? As good as I am? Good. Today we're learning Daf 75 of Masech Shabbos, Daf Ayin Hey. Overview before we begin. Um, well, as you may have been able to intuit, I think that's a word, um, we're going to continue talking about different malachos. So those malachos include tearing in order to sew two stitches, trapping, okay? We'll talk a little bit about the chilazon snail from which we extract blood for the treles dye. We're going to talk about slaughtering, talk about um, salting and tanning, smoothing, cutting to size, writing two letters, knocking with a hammer, um, yeah, things like that. We're going to get to a new mission at the end. Um, that's a little bit of a kind of structural overview. Let's get started. All the way at the bottom of Ayin Dalur Amud Beis. So it says, Akorea Amunas Litfor, somebody who um, tears in order to um, stitch. Kriyab Mishkan Miava. So was there any tearing that would go on in the Mishkan? Excuse me. So if you had one of the covers for the Mishkan that a like a worm fell in there and the worm was going to like eat, well, ate like little holes in it. So so what they would do is they would kind of um, take this little tiny hole and they would actually make it bigger. They would make a little bigger hole and then they would sew it together. Maybe that's like a sewing technique. I don't know. Anybody know? Like if there's like a little hole in the garment rather than just like stitching up, do you kind of like, kind of make it a little bigger so that it's easier to stitch? Mm-hmm. Says the Holy Rav Zutra by Tuvia in the name of Rav. So, okay. So let's say you have um, like two garments that or like two pieces of fabric that are sewn together. Now, and there are like threads hang in there's like extra thread and if the uh like two fabrics get loose from each other you can just kind of pull the threads in order to bring them back to, to each other so by doing that by pulling these threads on chabas and and thereby thereby kind of like strengthening the stitching that will be uh an issue of of uh tfira, of sewing now, Rav isn't done. He continues. Somebody who learns something from a magush. A magush is like um, some uh, like guy. I think the art school said like some kind of like Persian priest or something. Some guy who would, um, or maybe that was a safaria. Who can remember? But some kind of like a Persian priest who would... Uh, he wasn't a big fan of the Abishter, let's say. And he would try to convince you to come over to his team and serve his gods. And he would kind of speak, talk smack against the Abishter. So if you kind of hang out with this fellow too much, somebody who knows to um, calculate sort of... Um, um, astronomy, you know, astrology, I guess. Uh, somebody knows how to like calculate different mazalot and tkufot, different, uh, astronomical kind of things, I guess. And he doesn't sort of utilize this 
talent or the skill of his. Also, the Safri menu, you're not allowed to talk with him. Okay, let, let, let's kind of unpack these things. Um, so the first thing, obviously, that we learned was that if you strength, if you kind of pull these two threads, uh, thereby strengthening stitches, so that'll be tefira. But sort of these more sort of interesting statements. So magushta. So Rav had said that if you talk to this magushta fellow, so you're chayv misa. So Rav Shmuel Chad Amar Charshev Chad Amar Gadufe. So there's a machlokas Rav Shmuel about what exactly this magushta fellow is. So one of them says it is a sorcerer. The other one says it is a blasphemer. Testaim de Rav de Amar Gadufe. Now would make it would be logical to conclude that Rav is of the opinion who says that this magushta is a blasphemer. Dam Rav Zutcher because of course we just learned. From Rav Zutcher Bartuvia, who quoted Rav as saying, that somebody who learns even one thing from a Magush, from this Magush fellow, he's Chayev Misa. Okay? I Meaning don't even talk to him. Don't, you know, even if he wants to teach you a Shtikal Torah, don't listen to him. Have nothing to do with him. And that would only make sense if you understand a Magush as being a blasphemer. The Sakadate because if you just say that he's simply a sorcerer, somebody who kind of is knowledgeable in the ways of Avodazara. So Aksiv, doesn't the Pasuk say Lo Silmod La Asos? Right? The Pasuk in Dvarim, in Sefer Dvarim says, um, you know, you're going to a new land, don't learn from their ways in order to do like them. So Avalatalamid Lahabnulhoros. But you can learn from them in order to understand what is Avodah To understand, you know, what you shouldn't be doing. To understand the halachis. And therefore, um, now, Rav, who says that if you go to this Magosh, so then you are Chayv Misa, so it must be that a Magosh is not a simple sort of sorcerer because you would be allowed to learn from him in order to understand what sorcery is and what not to do. Um, however, if... Um, but by understanding Magosh as this blasphemer... So then I understand why you shouldn't be going to him because he's going to be blaspheming against God and there's really no value uh, there for you. So, so we want to say that Rav is the one who says that the Magosh is this blasphemer. Amr Reb Shimon ben Pazi, Amr Reb Yehoshua ben Levi, Mishum bar Kapara, Kola Yodeh lechashev bitkufes umazalus ve'eno choshev. Anybody who knows how to sort of calculate um times of the year, periods of the year, and different const- uh, 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 constellations, I guess. Um, all of Akas of Omer, about him, right, and he doesn't do it, so about, the, about him the Pasuk says, Vespoal Hashem lo yabitu, that the actions of God, they will not look towards umaysiyad of loro, and they don't see the uh, activities of his hands. Um, Zeo, meaning Kielu, he has the ability to Look at the works of God and to see the acts of His hand, and and and, he, and He's neglecting that skill. How do we know that it is a mitzvah for a person to calculate these tkufis and mazalis? So the pasuk also in Sefer Dvarim says that you shall guard and you shall do the Torah, because it is your wisdom and your understanding. Among the nations. What is the wisdom and the understanding that is to the eyes of the nations? This is 
being able to uh, predict and to calculate um, these different astronomical, I guess, or astrological uh, things. Um, and Rashi explains, because Kilu, if you could say, you know, I know that X, Y, and Z is going to happen because I could see it in the stars, and sure enough, it happens, you kind of get some street credit. And I guess if we're trying to compete with the other nations, we want to get as much street credit as we can. So if you know how to calculate Tkufus and Mazalos, you're a big asset to Team Jew. Hatsad Svi Okay, so um, somebody who traps a um, deer. Oh, deer. Ha 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 ha. Okay, Vichulay. So somebody who um, traps a Chilazan snail. So the Chilazan was some kind of a snail that they would use. I bet that in the uh, Steinsaltz, in the Koran Gemaras, I bet they have a photo of a Chilazan snail. Come on. Someone's going to share that with us, right? Adam Freeman, I'm looking right at you. Anyways, Hatzar Chilazan, somebody who traps a Chilazan snail, Vapoto, and somebody who um, sort of cracks the shell of the snail in order to extract its blood so that you can, so that you can use the blood to, um, you know, make a treles dye, okay? So you're basically doing two things. One, you're trapping the snail. Two, you are extracting its blood, okay? Nonetheless, the Tanakama says you're only chayv for, you're only chayv for trapping. That's it. Rabbi Yudah Omer, chayv shtayim. Whereas Rabbi Yudah says you're going to be chayv for two melachos. Shehaya Rabbi Yudah Omer, pitsia bichlal disha. Because Rabbi Yudah would say that extracting blood is basically part of dash. Dash is when you extract the wheat from its shell, I guess, from its kernel or something. So, um, and here you are extracting blood from the uh, snail. Zeo, so Rabbi Yudah says you'd be chayv twice, one for trapping and one for extracting. Mifarik, which is a tolada of dash. Amrulo, they said to Rabbi Yudah, Ein p'tziya bichladisha. The Chacham said, Sorry, Rabbi Yehuda, we disagree with you. Uh, our, we, we are of the opinion that um, extracting blood from Echilazon would not be considered dash. Amorav, my time in the Rabbanon. Rava says, how come the rabbis would not consider extracting the blood of the Echilazon to be dash? Because the Rabbanon hold that dash is only relevant for things that grow from the ground. Snails don't grow from the ground. And therefore, um, extracting their blood would not be considered dash. Okay, fine. Zo. So that's machlokas. The Chachamim say that if you trap a chilazon and extract its blood, you will be chayev for trapping. Rabbi Yehuda adds to that that you will also be chayev for dash, for extracting the blood. Weiter. nami mishum neshama. No. What about the fact that you're going to kill the thing? No. How are you going to extract the blood of the snail? Without killing the snail. So, you know, even according to the Chacham, so you're chayv for trapping, but when you're extracting the blood, shouldn't you also be chayv for killing the snail? So, Amr Yochanan So, Yochanan resolves this question by saying that, well, when they extracted the blood, the snail was already dead. So, therefore, you weren't killing it. Okay? The only possible issue would be dash, and they say that, that you know, dash is only by Gedulei Karka. Rava Omar, Rava disagrees with Rabbi Yochanan, 
And he says, Afilu Rava says, you can even argue that they were extracting the blood from the Chilazon snail when it was alive. Okay, so if that is the case, so then shouldn't, so what about the fact that you're killing it? So he answers, Misasek who ate on the Tilas Neshama. So Rava says, but it's Misasek, right? Remember Misasek? If you're picking up a knife in like a tomato patch, okay, and the knife, you know, inadvertently cuts a tomato from its vine. So he says, you're potter because you were misasik, you were, you, right? What is it called? Misasik bedavar acher, right? You were, you were, you were busy just picking up the knife. And then all of a sudden, somehow some, you know, random other thing happened, which was that the tomato got cut off of the vine. And everyone agrees in that case that you'd be potter. Okay. Now, so Ravan wants to say the same thing here. I'm misasik. I'm, you know, busy just re, uh, releasing the blood from the snail. Oh, whoa, this thing died. That was completely, um, unintentional. And therefore, that would be okay. But the Gemara asks, But don't Abaye and Rava both admit, both agree that Reb Shimon would admit by, by Psegresha Vloyamus, who could tell me what Psegresha Vloyamus is? Literally what it means is to um, remove the head and it won't die, right? Meaning, if you have a little chicken on Shabbos, and um, you say, you know what? I would really like to play with a chicken head. So you take your chicken and you remove the head from the chicken, and now you have a chicken head to play with. But there's just one problem. You just killed the chicken, and that's a problem. But you're going to argue, yeah, but I, I didn't. I, I, that wasn't my intention. I just want the chicken's head, right? To which our response will be, "Sekresha velo yamos." What do you really think that you can remove the chicken's head and the chicken won't die? Since the chicken necessarily will die when you remove the head, you can't just remove the head. And therefore, "Sekresha" is applied to basically, I think, any situation where a a a, a malacha will necessarily happen. Okay, so now, um, in this case, what's happening? So, Rav is trying to argue it's misasik. You know, I'm just extracting the blood from the snail. Oops, it died. That was completely unintentional, therefore it's okay. But we say, but of course the snail is going to die. I'm taking its blood away from it. So why would that be acceptable? Shouldn't that be a psik reish of loyamos? So, the Gemara answers, shiny hacha, that the snail is actually, so the way I understand it is the point is that the snail is actually not a psikresha of loyamos. The chama de izbe neshama tfenichale kechi delitzil tzive. That in this case, right, the chama de izbe neshama tfenichale. That the longer that this snail stays alive, it's in his best interest. It's better for him. Kechi delitzil tzive so that its color will be clearer. That'll be a better, um, you'll be able to create a better treles dye. So uh, apparently this blood was of higher quality as long as the snail was alive. And I guess once the snail dies, you don't really want the blood anymore. It's not going to be high quality blood anymore. And therefore, you know, you have no interest in the snail dying, right? Really what your goal is, is to push the snail to its limit until it's going to die. Because as long as it's alive, the blood is good. Once it's alive, the blood isn't good anymore and you don't really want the blood anymore. So therefore, you have no interest in, in, in killing the snail. What you would like to do is you would like to basically 
extract as much blood as you can when it's alive. And when it's about to die, you leave it alone, you know, and keep it, and keep it alive. And therefore, um, you know, in, in that case, um, hope, you know, for, you know, first of all, it's not necessary, necessarily true that you're going to kill this now. And even if you do, you know, then it was unintended. Um, and since it was unintended, it's a, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a sick ratio. Whereas when it comes to taking the chicken's head, you know, taking the chicken's head will 100% kill this chicken. There's no way to remove the head without killing the chicken. And you have no interest in making sure that the chicken stays alive, you know, so that, so that's for sure not going to be allowed. But in this case, you can extract the blood and, you know, maybe if you're a professional enough, you'll know exactly when to stop and you won't necessarily kill the, um, snail. Okay. The Mishnah is talking about slaughtering an animal. Okay. So, shochet mishum mai chayev. So, when you slaughter an animal, uh, what are you chayev for? Okay. What does that mean? So, Rashi actually points out because, you know, in, in the, also in the Mish, in building the Mishkan, there wasn't necessarily slaughtering of an animal. Like, you didn't necessarily have to slit the throat of an animal. What did you need? You needed the hides of, let's say, the oros elima adamim. Right, the, the, the hides from these red rams. So Rashi points out you could theoretically, you know, strangle it to death, meaning you don't have to necessarily shecht it. What you needed was the hides. So sure, you had to kill an animal, but, um, you know, you didn't necessarily have to, uh, shecht it. So we're, so we're saying that when you slaughter, uh, something on Shabbos, what are you chayev for? So let's see. So, shochet mishumai chayev. Right, so when you specifically slaughter an animal as opposed to like killing it in some other way, what do you chayev for? So, Rav So Rav says that actually when you slaughter it, you are going to be liable for the malacha of coloring of tzoveya, whereas Shmuel says you are um, liable for the malacha of uh, killing an animal. Let's go on for a minute. Mishum tzovea in mishum nitzias neshama lo. Rav says that you would only be chayev for coloring. You wouldn't be chayev for killing an animal. Ema af mishum tzovea. So Rav would say even for tzovea. So now, when they were building the mishkan, okay, so that yeah, sure, they would have to kill this. You know, they would have to kill these red rams in order to get their hides for the covering of the mishkan. But the thing is. All you had to do is really kill it. You didn't have to slaughter it, let's say. Let's say. So Rav says that by slaughtering on Shabbos, not only are you going to be chayev for the malacha that they did in, when building the Mishkan of killing an animal, but you will additionally be chayev for um, coloring because when you slaughter the animal, the, the meat around the neck where you slaughtered it is going to be red because that's the color of blood. And... Whereas Shmuel says, no, you'd only be chayev for the malacha that happened in the Mishkan, which was um, killing an animal. Okay, so now, Amar Rav, now Rav says, Milsa de Amri, this is funny, so this thing that I just said, let me explain what I meant so that the later generations don't come and laugh at me. And he says, how come he'd be chayev for tzoveya? How come, you know, when he shechs this animal, He's interested in coloring this blood, the, 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 the area by the neck. So, Nicha delitavus beis ashrita dama keiche delechazua inche vilesu lizabnu mines. He says, you know why, 
uh, somebody who's shechting an animal is interested in the area by the neck being colored by the blood? Because, say you're a butcher and you work in some kind of market and people are coming and they want to know if the meat is fresh. Well, guess what? If all the uh, blood around the neck where we shechted is like all dried and crusty, so it probably is not super fresh. But if the meat around the area where we shechted is all bloody um, and kind of freshly sliced looking, so then uh, whatever, it looks like a better product, you know, fresher product. So therefore it's in his interest that um, there should be some coloring on the meat. So that's why Rav says you'll be chayv additionally for coloring in addition to um, killing the animal, whereas Shmuel says you'll be chayv only for killing the animal. The Mishnah says that the following two things are, are, are melachas on Shabbos, uh, salting and tanning. Okay. Hainu molech, hainu ma'abed. So the Gemara says one second. Tanning and salting are the same thing, meaning part of the process of tanning is salting it, is salting the hide. So, Rabbi Yochanan v'shlakish tamit tarvayu apikad minayu v'ail sirtut. Interesting. So Rabbi Yochanan and Rishlakish both say, you know what? You're right. You can remove one of these two items from the Mishnah and replace it with sirtut, which is after they would um, tan the hides and right before they were to cut it into strips, so they would make marks on the hide so that they could basically then just follow the lines that they made when they will, um, you know, slice it into strips. Okay, so that's an Avmalach, I'm making these lines, scratching these lines. Amarabba bar Rav Huna. Somebody who salts his meat. Because you have meat, you're eating lunch or whatever, you're eating meat, and you salt it, <coughs> you're going to be chayav for tanning. Rava Amar and Ibud Ba'ochan. Rava says, there's no tanning when it comes to food. You can't tan your food. You tan hides. Amar Rav Ashiv, Afilu Rava Bar Rav Huna, Lo Amar, El Dukabay Le Orcha, Avalevei Solo Mashve Inish Mechle Eitz. Now Rav Ashi explains Rabbi Barafuna, Rabbi Barafuna who says that if you salt your meat, then you are going to be chayev for tanning. So Rav Ashi says when he says this, it's only if you are, I don't know, in my mind it's something like, uh, some kind of like biltong kind of thing, some kind of dried meat, preserved meat kind of thing. So if you're salting your meat in order to preserve it, orcha, so you could travel and eat it on the way, right, for some kind of later preservation, so then that would be an issue of, 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 of uh, tanning, according to Rabbi Bar of Huna. However, if you simply just want to salt your meat uh, so you can eat it and it'll taste better. So Ravashi says, Lo inish Nobody's interested in making his food into wood. So, so therefore, um, you know, we can assume that he's just salting it so he can eat it and that would be acceptable. He's not looking to tan it. Okay, somebody who smooths the skin of the, uh, uh, of this, uh, hide, uh, of this, uh, of this animal that he shechted. When somebody cuts it into specific, uh, sizes. So, Amr Rav, Rabbi Acha, Bar Chanina, Hashaf bin Amudim, Bishabas Chayev, Mishum Mimachik. Says Rabbi Acha, Rab Chanina. Okay, so Rashi explains this, um, and I got this according to the art scroll. That um, somebody who's, okay, so if you have some kind of like pavilion, and in the pavilion there are like these pillars, okay, there are like pillars holding up the roof, and then in between these pillars, you kind of just smooth out the ground over there, so you can be high from a machik, and apparently people ask questions on this, because like we talked about smoothing out the ground the other day, we said you'd be high for bone, 
So there's actually another explanation, uh, the Safari, I mentioned it, from Rav Haigon, which is that there were actually like two pillars that they would make specifically for smoothing hides. And what you would do is you would like put it in between these pillars and kind of run the meat between them and it would smooth out the meat. So if you do that, you're high from a machik, which is smoothing. Okay. Amr Rabchia Bar Abba says Rabchia Bar Abba. So it says here of Ashi, but there's the Gilion, I believe, changed it to Rav Asi, which makes more sense because um, for a few reasons. First of all, Rav Bar Abba was in Eretz Yisrael. Rav Ashi was in Bavel. But even so, Rav Bar Abba was a student of Rav Yochanan, which means that he was in earlier Amor, whereas Rav Ashi was like Ravina and Rav Ashi, um, right? Ravina and Rav Ashi, uh, at least um, traditionally, were the authors of the uh, the editors of the Gemara. So, Mini Ravashi came much later. So, for that reason also, it makes sense that it would be Rav Asi, right? So, Rav Abba was kind of like, uh, in the generation of Rav Yochanan, student of Rav Yochanan, as was Rav Asi. So, it kind of makes sense to say that it's Rav Asi. So, I'm Rav Chiyabar Abba, Gimodorim Sachli, Rav Asi, Mishmedu Rav Yoshua ben Levi, Hamagara Roshe Klonsos B'Shavis Chai Mishmachatech. Somebody who planes, somebody who kind of smooth, smooths out with a plane, uh, some kind of like knife, uh, the tops of, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, like pillar, like beams almost, uh, with, uh, on, on Shabbos. So it's going to be high for cutting to size. Okay. I'm a marech, rutia, b'shabbos, chayim, shememachik. Somebody who covers a cut with a bandage. He smooths it with like a bandage, kind of covers it with a bandage, I guess. So he's high for smoothing. Somebody who, um, takes a stone and kind of like, um, cuts it to shape. Um, so then he's going to be high for makib, b'patish. Which we learned the other day is basically every t- any time I think we saw that in Rashi and we're going to see it again today as well that any time you uh, basically complete the uh, to complete like the malacha for something that's going to be makibapatish putting the final hammer blow on something so in this case you have a stone that you already quarried quarried from the mountain and so all you need to do is basically shape it and cut it to size so if you do that you'll be high for makibapatish okay. Somebody who puts like a shape, an image into a vessel, or somebody who blows into a glass, very hot glass vessel to kind of like give it some kind of shape. will also be for putting the final blow on the work that needs to be done there. Somebody, you know, if he goes to like uh, some kind of garment and, you know, it's fully, it's done, it's complete, but there are like a few threads that are just kind of hanging off or maybe there's a few things that got stuck in the threads while it was uh, during the weaving process and you remove those things. So, you'll be because also over here, the garment is done. It's already been, been woven. It's ready to be worn. And now you're just looking it over and you see, ah, oh, here's an extra thread. There's an extra thing. So you're kind of removing these things and make it perfect to get ready to wear. Well, that you're going to be high for Makabipatish because you're kind of perfecting the garment. 
but that is only, of course, if he's mocked on these things. If he wants to make sure that before he wears it, there's no extra threads hanging out or anything like that, so then his removal of these threads would be like the final step step in creating this garment and making it ready to, to be worn. But if you don't really care, and you're, just, and you're just like taking it out, I don't know, for fun or whatever it is, so then it won't be makibapatish. Vakosev shte osias, somebody who writes two letters on Shabbos. Tanarabon, and this is interesting. If you write one big letter, and in the same space where you wrote one big letter, you could have theoretically written two smaller letters. So you're potter. So you're not, so, so you're not chayev, um, a korban chadas for that because, um, in the Mishkan, they would write two letters. What they would do is, um, when they were dismantling the Mishkan, they would kind of write so, so the Mishkan had all these beams, and these beams were, would, would be put one next to the other, and that's how they would make the walls for the Mishkan. So when they were dismantling it, they would write on each beam, and the beam next to it, you know, make like a, an indication of which beam it is, so that they could put them away together, and then when they reconstruct the Mishkan, they just find it, find these beams based on the writing that's on it, and they can construct it properly. So they would write one letter on each beam, so therefore, the minimum was two letters that they would write, meaning one on one beam, one on the beam next to it. So therefore, writing two letters on Shabbos is a malacha. But if you only write one letter, even if it's a big letter, um, still, you didn't do what they did in the Mishkan. However, when it comes to erasing, that's not the case. Because the point is, as the Mishnah said, right? somebody who erases so that he could then write two letters. So when it comes to, so it's not necessarily about erasing two letters, it's about erasing enough that you'd be able to write two letters. And therefore, if you erase one big letter, and there's enough space to there, therefore uh, write two letters in its place, you will be chayev um, for mochek. Okay. Amr Rabbi Menachem Berbiosi v'Zachomer b'Mochik mi b'Kosev, and this is um, a, how a Mochik erasing is actually more stringent than uh, writing because uh, writing you actually have to write two letters, whereas Mochik you can theoretically even erase just one letter as long as there is room to write two letters, and you will be chayv. Viter. Habone v'Asoser, somebody who builds, somebody who dismantles, v'Amechave v'Amavir, somebody who extinguishes, and somebody who kindles. And somebody who um, lands the final uh, hammer blow on the item that he's building. Anything that you do on Shabbos, that by doing so, it is the completion of the work of a certain object. So, um, you know, and that, so we just had a case, for example, you have a brand new article of clothing and you're just kind of looking it over and removing any final hair, you know, any final threads or whatever. So that would be Makabapatish. So anytime you kind of do the final um, step, the absolute final step in creating something, that would be considered, that would be uh, the Malacha of Makabapatish. Elu of his Malachos. So we say that these are the 39 Malachos. So we're saying these are the 39 uh, to the exclusion of Rabbi Eliezer, who says he also high for Tolados. Because if you remember, um, our Mishnah said it's 39. And as we've seen a few times, how come it specifically says 39? So Rabbi Yochanan explained to teach us that if you um, violate all 39 in one Helem, so you'll be high of, um, for each one. You'll be high of 39 Korban Chathases. Now, 
we also assumed, right, we also said in the Gemara on Dafayim Gimel Mabez that you're only chayv, you know, for the Avos. And if you do Avos and Tolados, you'll only be chayv once. Rabbi Eliezer, however, disagrees with that. And he says that, no, if you do Avos and Tolados, you're chayv for each thing that you did, right? So let's say you did threshing with wheat and then you also um, milked a cow. So you'd be chayv for both uh, Dash and for uh, Mepharic, even though it's the same Av. And, and therefore, so when we say that these are the 39, that basically means that 39 is the maximum number of korbanos that you could possibly bring. Because, you know, if you do avos and tolados, you're really only going to be chayv for, for that. Whereas Eliezer says, no, you know, you could be chayv uh, more than 39. If you do all 39 melachos and tolados, you can be chayv, you know, the, the, the number of avos and tolados that you did. Vaiter. Chaser achas. Lafukim da Yehuda. So to exclude Rabbi Yehuda, the Tanya Rabbi Yehuda Mosef as Hashovet ve'amedaktek. So, um, so we say that there are thirty-nine, but Rabbi Yehuda actually would have forty-one. He adds also Shovet, which is after you mounted the warp threads onto the loom, you would take some kind of pointy instrument and you would go over the threads. And you know, if there were two that were like overlapping each other or touching each other, you would use this pointy object to kind of separate them. And medaktek would be after you throw the weft through the loom, uh, you would then kind of give a, you'd beat down the threads a little bit to make sure that they aren't too tight, that there's just the right amount of tension. Um, to which the Chacham explained, uh, you know, disagreed with Rabbi and they responded that Shovet, using this pointy object to separate the warp threads, so that would be incl- uh, included in the Malach of Mesach, of, of, uh, of, of mounting the warp. Medaktik, whereas beating the threads, Ariyu Bechal Oreg, would be considered part of the Malacha of weaving. New Mishnah. The old Klal Acher Amu, they said another rule. What's this rule? Kol Akasher Latsnia, anything that you would normally put away, okay? Something that you would normally care enough to put away, fine. Umatsnia in Kamohu, and uh, it is large enough, there's enough quantity of this item that you would put it away, right? I don't know, what's an example? I don't know, maybe if we could just talk about like food or something like that. I don't know, let's say you have some salad, let's say, okay? So if you don't finish your salad, I guess, you would put it away for later. And then, uh, I guess you could probably say that. And then like, but if you just have like one like leaf of like spinach or something, so like you're probably not going to put that away, right? So, so, so meaning it's something that you would normally put away for later. And also, it's enough that you would put it away. So, Votzio B'Shabbos, and then you took that out to Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos. Chayv Chatas, Alav. So, you can be Chayv Chatas. But something that you don't normally care to put away. Okay? Ve'en Matzni and Kamo, or even it's something that you care to put away, but it's not uh, a quantity that you would necessarily care enough to put away. Votzio B'Shabbos, Eino Chayv. And then you take that out into Rosh Hashanah, then you're not Chayv. Ela matzneo, unless, of course, you know, if you are a unique individual who would care to put this thing away for later, well, then if you take it out on Shabbos, you would be chayav. So it's a little sub- subjective there. When we say anything that you would normally put away, okay, what's an example of something that you wouldn't normally put away? What's it coming to exclude? Interesting. So our Papa says that it's to exclude dam nida, menstrual blood. You wouldn't necessarily put that away for later. Okay. Marukva Amar lafuke atze ashera. Marukva says that um, it's to exclude the wood of an ashera tree. 
Okay, an Asherah tree, of course, being a tree that was um, used in the worship of Avodah So you have no reason to put that away for later. Okay. Somebody who says that it's coming to exclude Damnida, well, then certainly also this would exclude Atsiyashera because the assumption being that Damnida is, uh, is, is, uh, Maus. It is, um, kind of unpleasant. Whereas Ashera is not only is it, we consider it to be unpleasant, but it's also Asurbaana'a. So if you say that it's to exclude Damnida, it's also certainly excluding Ashera trees. But the Manda Amu says that um, that uh, this is that our mission is coming to exclude um, Asherah trees. Well, Damnida, however, would be something that you might put it away for later. Why would you put it away for later? So you can feed it to your cat. Okay. Um, Whereas the Manda Amr who says that Damnida would, is not something you would stash away for later. Came the Chalsha Lo Matsnale. Interestingly, apparently if a human feeds, um, their own blood to a cat, will that human from whom the blood originated will all of a sudden start feeling not so good. Um, and therefore, um, According to Manda Amr, who says that, that our Mishnah is excluding Asherah trees, um, um, but, um, no, I'm sorry, but according to Manda Amr, who says that, that, um, uh, Damnida is excluded from something that you would stash away for later, is because even though theoretically you could give it to your cat, um, but then you wouldn't feel very good. So, therefore, um, yeah, it's not something that you would stash away for later for your cat. Amr Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina says Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina Hi Dilo Kreb Shimon Di Kreb Shimon Ha'amr Lo Amru Kol Hashirin Alalu El Matzni Ayin. So our Mishnah that says that you know we said that if it's something that either normally you wouldn't stash away or even it's something that you would stash away but it's not large enough that you would it's not the, enough quantity that you would stash away. So then we said you would be potter. But if you normally were to um, take these things out, then you would be chayev. So now this is, which makes it somewhat, sub, right, which makes it subjective. So this is unlike Rabbi Shimon, who says, kol ashirun alalu, right? Lo amru kol ashirun alalu el matzni ayin. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Um, when we said in the Mishnah, I, I'm sorry, when we said in the ratio of the Mishnah, that if you have something that normally Right, most people would take it out, right? Meaning we said, right, uh, um, something that you would normally save for later. And in general, it's a quantity that most people would consider enough to take out, right? So then you would be high for taking it out on Shabbos. Now, Rabbi Shimon disagrees with that, disagrees with that and says, no, it's all relative. If I normally were to take it out on Shabbos, then I would be high for it. If I normally wouldn't take it out, I would be potter. So for example, a wealthy person might only care about larger quantities. Um, I'm sorry, if I would save it for later, then I would be high for taking on Shabbos. Wow, I'm really messing this up. Sorry, guys. But what it means is this. So our Mishnah says that no matter what, if it's something that in general people would put away for later, you'd be high for taking it on Shabbos, right? Whereas Rabbi Shimon says it depends on the person, right? A wealthy person, for example, might only be mockpit on larger quantities. Lesser quantities, you, you might not necessarily care enough to save it for later. Therefore, for him, he would be potter for taking those things out on Shabbos. Whereas a poor person, let's say, might be um, have a lower threshold for what, you know, he'd be wanting to save for later, and therefore, um, for him, even smaller amounts he'd be chayev for on Shabbos. Fine. That is daf ayin hey amud. So that is daf ayin hey. Let's do a shtickle review over here. So we started off the daf with um, 
tearing in order to sew. And we said, where um, do we have that in the Mishnah? So we said if there was like a little uh, tear, if a worm kind of ate a little hole in the the threads of like the curtains of the Mishkan. So then you would kind of tear that a little bit and then sew it back together. Then we had three things uh, that we said in the name of Rav. One is that tightening threads on Shabbos, you would be chayv. If you have like, if you just kind of pull the ends of the threads to tighten the stitches, you would be chayv for that. He also says that if you talk to a Magusha, you will be chayv Misa. We said that there's actually Machlokas Rav and Shmuel about what a Magusha is. Ra, uh, Shmuel, we assumed at the end of the day that it was Shmuel who says that uh, a Magusha is a sorcerer and it would be okay to go to a sorcerer because you're just learning about what not to do. And that's okay. Uh, whereas a magusha, uh, Rav is, explains a magusha as being a, um, a blasphemer. So then don't go to him at all. And if you go, then you're going to be chay misa for his blasphemy stuff. Um, and then we talk about, um, if somebody knows, and Rav also said that if somebody knows how to calculate the tkufot and the mazalot and he, um, doesn't do it, then you can't talk to him because he is an asset for our team because if he, um, kind of makes correct predictions, it looks good for us. Trapping. So uh, we talked about uh, the chilazon, this snail that they would use its blood to create the trelas dye. So we said that um, according to the Chachamim, you would be chayv only for trapping, uh, whereas Rabbi Yehuda says that you would be chayv also for dash, for extracting the um, blood, whereas the Chachamim say that um, dash is only by um, things that grow from the ground, so you'd only be chayv for trapping. But then we asked, what about the fact that you're going to be killing this snail by extracting his blood. So Rabbi Yochanan says that, well, it's already dead, so therefore you're not killing it. Rava says, well, it's going to be misasik, right? You're just busy taking out, extracting the blood. If the thing dies, that completely was uh, an unintended consequence. It didn't even enter your mind that that would happen. I come on, that's silly. Isn't it a psikresh of loyamas? Obviously it's going to die. So apparently not necessarily because you have no interest in it dying because once it's dead, the, uh, the, the, um, quality of the blood for the dye uh, is is inferior and therefore you are going to be interested in, in keeping this thing alive and only pushing it to the limit of right before it's going to die and therefore even if it ends up dying it's misasic I was just trying to extract the blood which is okay I had no intention of killing it uh, and then and then I you know it, it ended up dying slaughtering an animal on Shabbos so Rob said that not only are you going to be chive for um, killing the animal but also for coloring because you're interested in coloring where you um, uh, shechted it so that people will know that it's fresh where Shmuel says you're only going to be chayv for killing it, not not for coloring. Um, we talked about salting, so salting and tanning. So Rabbi Yochanan Meshlakish said that um, really salting and tanning are, are the same thing. So you can remove one of them and add um, uh, etching, making marks in in the hide so that you know where to cut it. Uh, Rabbi Bar Huna said that if you salt meat on Shabbos, it would be considered part of tanning. Uh, Rava responded that uh, you don't tan food, so that would be okay. And Ravashi explained Rabbi Baravuna as saying that you know you're allowed to salt for short term to eat, but just don't salt for um, kind of to make like a dried out preserved meat. We talk about smoothing and cutting to size. Um, okay, don't do that. Uh, we talk about writing two letters, and we said that interestingly, if you write one big letter that is the size of two letters, it would be okay. Um, because the, in Mishkan, they would specifically write two letters. However, um, erasing one big letter that's the size of a small letter, um, uh, that's, that's enough to write two letters, that would be, um, you would be chayev a korban chatas for that. We talked about makabipatish, um, that whenever you complete a malacha on Shabbos, that would be the malacha of makabipatish. And then at the end, we got into this Mishnah, which says that, you know, something that you'd be makpid 
to put it away for later so that and in quantities that you'd be mocked with to put it away for later so then you would not be able to take that out to a different domain on Shabbos uh, where if it's either if it's something that you would not be mocked to save for later or if it's uh, a quantity that you would not be mocked to save for later if you go out with it to Shusarabim on Shabbos you would be you would be potter okay so so that is Daf Ayin Hev Masech the Shabbos. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed. Have a great day.